No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I am here with the legendary Don Magic Wand. How you feeling, bro? Hey, it's Dia Green for the money, gold for the honey, pimps up. And y'all do know the rest. We do know the rest, but I think it's a very, very important thing for the culture that we uh, reconnect and everything. I mean, you're, I know you have your whole storied career and everything in the streets, et cetera, but I feel like I came to know of you with Snoop Dogg, what was that, 10, 15 years ago? You yes, sort of had yeah. like a resurgence in the public eye. Take, right. me, take me through that time what, period. Well, what you're speaking about is um, really I first met Snoop in something like 96, and that was in uh, Atlanta during the time they was having what they considered the Freaknik. Freaknik, legendary yeah. Uh, yeah. freaky party thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. hanging out so you know i met him then and um then i seen him in chicago where you're at, from right yeah at a concert and he seen me in the audience and he told his uncle junebug to bring me in the back went in the back smoke with him and we talked and things uh he came to chicago another time and he had uh the Muslim to bring him to where I was hanging at on the west side of Chicago. Okay. At a barber shop and he came up there and fellowship with us, got his hair cut. And he said, Man, do you ever come to, you know, California, you know, look me up, you know? So, um in ninety nine I came to California. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, we was on the same plane and landed together and from ninety nine and up until now, it's been, you know, a fellowship. I've become a spiritual advisor. Why was Snoop so drawn to you? What do you think started that uh, relationship? He's he's obviously incredibly busy. He's got plenty of money. He doesn't really have to make new friends, but he was drawn to you. What do you, what do you think it was? Well, it, it, it's the thing that draw most people to what was considered my situation as being a pimp. You know, men that, as well as women, they're fascinated by that. Uh-huh. And for him to have an opportunity to truly bump shoulder to meet one that was considered a real one was really fascinating because he was very impressed with that kind of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most rappers are because, you know, that's why they say I'm hip-hop because most rappers sing about the cars, the clothes, the jewelry, uh, the women's, the homes. And, you know, that's what, you know, a pimp was really all about. So a, a lot of rappers literally talk about being pimps all the time. And we as the listeners know that they're either lying or they're exaggerating. And maybe they've done a little bit of dirt in their in their day, but they're not really someone who lived the game for decades like yourself. Well, one thing about it, like I say, it's a fantasy. Mm. You know, like a lot of them rap about gangster and haven't did any gangster. So it's a fantasy. It's just lyrics, mm. you know. And you got some like Ice-T that had really lived that life mm. as the pimp. You know what I mean? And, you know, Snoop himself had indulged in it at one time, you know. But it was something that he knew it wasn't what he wanted, you know. And, you know, he continued in his married life, uh. you know. I think it's just such a fascinating business for a lot of people to even think about because it's so hard for them to wrap their head around the idea of taking on that lifestyle. Never mind to be able to do well for yourself for a long period of time doing that because it just feels like something that most people probably don't last very long trying to do, right? Well, depend on the situation, the people. You know, it's different stroke for different folks. Where it's been times that, you know, guys that pimp brought drugs into their gang, which was considered a no-no. Most of them thought maybe if they gave it to the girl that they could hold them longer by getting them sprung out on them. But once they got sprung out on 
telling them the female, she would leave and go to the dope dealers. No need to have the pimp. Mm. So he was really losing his girl. And I always tell guys, you know, don't put that dope in their brain or you're going to lose your game. So you're saying that once the, the prostitutes get addicted to drugs, that's when everything gets real, real complicated and it doesn't work out? Well, that's when it becomes really complicated to where there's no understanding. Mm. They take no directions. Uh, they believe in most of the time. I mean, it don't make good in a pimp's game. You know, like I said, most guys tried, you know, because, you know, some guys get hooked on it themselves. But, I mean, for pimping, it, it, it's not part of his game. Yeah. the dr But you have you been privy to the game since before drugs were really a factor? Uh, yeah, I was considered the number one pimp in the country in 1972. Wow. I was the number one pimp in the country for 13 years in a row, and that's considered an historical number. One uh, of the how guys, do they rank that kind of thing? Well, it's judged by criteria every year about your car, your clothes, your jewelry, your woman, you know, your characteristics. Even in 72, they were, they, who was doing the voting or, or the nominations for this sort of thing? It is did by the top flight pimps around the country. They take a vote, you know, like I could call over to New York and say, hey, man, what's happening over there, Slam? I'd say, who's making money? Who the man over there? Then they'll say, hey, man, such and such. A, you know what I mean? Rody Mack, he running New York now. Then, you know, he'll come to the player's ball. You know what I mean? We had the guy from Hawaii. You know, player ball 2018, uh, a gentleman from Russia won the player of the year. Uh. So they come as far as Russia, London. I'm, I'm sketched out by the idea of Russian pimps off, off the jump because I know they ain't playing by the same rules that we're playing by. Those Russians, they're crazy. Well, one thing about it is, you know, we we consider that, you know what I mean, by the females, you know what I mean, whatever else they do is another thing, but we judge you by your status with your females, your mm. cars, your clothes, how live you is, how you putting it down, you know what I mean, making it happen, you know, the real deal. But back in the day where you, it sounds kind of flagrant, it sounds like you really weren't worried about getting caught at that time period back in the 70s. Well, one thing about it is they didn't have the laws that they have created now, mm. which is considered, you know, RICO laws where now, you know, they say, you know, a guy getting money off a woman is considered, pro you know, a problem like earning off a woman. They don't allow it. I said, well, why not? You know, women can, you know what I mean, earn off of you. But you know what I mean? This the stigma that they put on you, you know what I mean? That they don't think it's right for a lady to give a man some money. I don't see nothing wrong with it. If the lady agreed, like I said, it's by choice, not by force. But when you were in the 70s, they're just, what were your worries in terms of the law? You just, it wasn't even a concern that there would be an investigation and you would get busted. That, that was impossible. Uh, no, it wasn't none of that kind of thing. The only time you have a problem like that is you had a problem with your girl where she would, uh, go to the police on you and you know you'll get something like they call a pandering charge or mm. something and possibly you know what they consider then white slavery you know or you know holding somebody against their will and, you know it wasn't much of that going on really right. so police really at that time didn't have a problem you know what I mean uh, to arrest you, and it, it really made a lot of them mad because, you know, you was riding, you know, like myself, Rolls Royces, Cadillac, had houses, you know, the jewelry, and they seen all of these things, but they seen no crime that you was breaking, right. even though they know that the girls was prostitute, and, you know, if you couldn't, you know, 
bust them where they was prostituting. You see them, you can't bust them for just walking around in life. Definitely. You know? That's really interesting. Hey, can I ask you a question? Uh, just sort of off topic. You ever uh, tried any sort of like penis pill, any kind of dick pill, like from either Viagra or like something from the corner store? Yeah. Tried yeah, it? Yeah, I've tried it. And some of it have worked. Really? Yeah. But I don't know any man that really want to try to stay a man that haven't tried something <laughs> that would enhance them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just recently uh, tried it out for the first time, which is actually a really good segue to our sponsor for this episode, episode uh, BlueChew.com. Let me tell you real quick. If you love sex, you will love BlueChew.com. BlueChew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom that will la make you last longer. You'll be able to go for additional rounds. Um, they're actually these chewable uh, tablets little tablets they actually taste really good um what what happens is you go to bluechew.com and there's uh, some physicians on there who will actually work with you to figure out your ideal dosage and what active ingredients are best for you myself personally i've used this in a few recent sort of threesome type encounters and it really had me just going crazy it was incredible um Anyway, you could take it on a full or an empty stomach. The consult consultation online is free. And the best part is that we have a great deal for you guys. If you visit bluechew.com and you will get your first order free if you use the promo code ADAM22 and you'll only pay a mere $5 shipping. And I promise it's incredible stuff. You're going to love it. Your partner will love it too. Do it for your girl. Anyway, back to our conversation. Well, then, you know what I mean? That's the right, appropriate thing to do for your girl. You know, he made a statement there. You guys out there trying to please and not tease, he just told you what to do. Mm hmm. Bluetooth.com. Use code Adam22. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, actually, I always hear, as long as we're on this topic, I always hear from girls because, you know, my, my main association, I just know a lot of the porn girls out here in the LA scene and everything like that. So I'm always hearing the horror stories that they have about the dudes that they work with doing weird stuff they shoot they shoot up their dicks i'm not sure exactly with what but they have some stuff that they actually inject into their penis to make them be able to perform better yeah, on yeah, camera yeah 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 they got that uh, you know something like that i had cost you know from the range to 30 60,000. you know uh, a lot of veterans you know have it you know what i mean where you could get this installed it into you and uh at a certain time, you can just push some kind of button and it'll just automatically give you a hard on, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it has been known to have been affected, you know. Uh, I know some guys that have tried it, you know. So uh, it's just another way just, you know, saying you still want to have sex. Hey, you only got so many years on this planet, you might as well make the best of them. Do what you can, you know. I just think anything you run out of, you should have been and did the best you could before that happened. Do you think that the cops didn't care so much about the uh, prostitution issue back in the day because the world hadn't really figured out like international uh, sex trafficking in the sense? I feel like that's what really pisses them off is like the idea that there's all these girls coming from Russia being sort of enslaved and shipped off to different cities all over America, that that's when they started to really have to do something about it. Well, one thing about it is anything that you know about now been going on from a long time mm. ago, you know, just a lot of stuff being exposed now. And at that time, you know, it was a good time, you know what I mean? Uh, especially in the black community doing that pimp, like black exploitation movie, you know, blacks had a little money then, you know, mm. it was a happy time, you know, and it was a time when, you know, excuse me, officers, you know, would take, you know, 
five or ten dollars, you know, man, just to, you know, he didn't have no problem about you doing what you did with the girls. He figured it wasn't his business. Mm. You know what I mean? She wasn't complaining, so why should he, you know? Yeah. So it was that kind of, I was very respectful, and I always used to go by the station and take the death side and a whole case of champagne, you know what I mean? I, you know, even as a pimp, and you know, I used to feed the less fortunate. Other pimps used to say, "You're gonna need that money, man. Why are you doing that?" I used to say, "I don't know. I just did it." You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I mean, back to school for kids. You know, uh, on uh, Easter, buy some uh, Easter basket and give out. Uh, Thanksgiving, buy turkeys and give out. I mean, I, this was the kind of thing I have been doing for over 45 years. And right. as a matter of fact. 2019 next sunday uh labor day weekend i'm having the player picnic where we are giving back to school supplies and book bags to the kids you uh -huh. know i believe in giving back you know and this is my way to give back do you, you know? sometimes feel like you are a rare kind soul in this profession in the sense that it's the type of job that typically most people who go into it don't have the best intentions and that you're sort of like the rare exception to that and that you came into the game with more of a moral code and you were approaching it for the right reasons. If you if you're saying that uh, few are called, you know what I mean? You know, like I said, many have called, few are chosen. Mm. Yes, I feel that I am a chosen one. I feel that deeply than the way you've spoken. I have felt that for quite a while now. I mean, and I have been shown that kind of vision based on the sort of thing that I do that a normal pimp in that time wouldn't do. Mm. So now it's catching up with me to get a better understanding because in 85, God showed me a vision mm. that if I didn't give up that life, that I wouldn't live. He showed me that something drastically was going to happen to me, like the police was going to kick the door down or the FBI was going to come or somebody was going to break in and rob me. It was a vision so strong that I could see it that if I didn't change my life, it was going to be over. So what happened in 85? God showed me this vision in the apartment and made me realize that he do really do exist. I mean... I respected everybody, wish I had a praying mother, but I was the pimp, I was the number one pimp. You know, I wasn't into it like that. So God showed me experience one night, made me believe that he really do exist. I was trying to watch television one night and every station I turned to was a religious station. Uh -huh. Evangelist was speaking. And uh, no matter where I turned, it just seemed to hit me. And 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 one of the evangelists, like he looked at me and said, uh, "I see somebody who have who have just been saved." And he, he was that. and he was looking dead at me. He wet it, you know, because I didn't know what the experience was happening. I never experienced the power of God. I never thought of it coming into my life. But he told me to get rid of my weed, my PCP, and call the girls and tell them that I don't want them to go on the streets no more. I called the girls and they said, why? I said, I don't know, but God don't want me to do it no more. I called my mother and I said to my mother, I said, mother, I just been saved. She said, call the preacher. I, I said, I don't know no preacher. She gave me a number to a preacher, Pastor Chevy. This is a true testimony, man. Uh -huh. And I called this number and I said, Pastor Chevy, I've been saved. And he said, I know it. And I mean, it was like 
wow, we it's like somebody was confirming it. Tell me that this is what was taking place in my life. And man, after that, and it the you know, the conversion happened here in California. Uh-huh. You know, like I said, I'm from Chicago. So in eighty five I left California, went back to Chicago. Uh, I joined this Bible school called Moody Bible Institution. It's the number two uh, Bible school in the country. And man, it's amazing. They took me in at first. They wasn't going to take me in. They couldn't understand why would a pimp be walking around in the school, want to join a Bible school. And the lady that registered you, she said, I would have never registered you in this school. She said, I never watched TV on Sunday after church, but I walked into the house and they had the news broadcast on that this pimp, Don Juan, had given his life to God. It was on the news when you first stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, you know, big news and things. You know, I've been on the Oprah Winfrey show and uh, the Donahue show and all of that. Yeah, testifying about my conversion. Wow. You know? Yeah, I've been all over the country. I speak in college and jazz and academies and sorority, giving the testimony, been there, you know, done that. That's why I become Snoop Dogg's spiritual advisor. But was there a certain point where you sort of started to realize, oh, my the fact that I've lived this life and that I can talk about it and that people are interested in hearing me talk about it, that that is a very marketable thing and that you could, you know, do all the things that you've been able to do where you basically could, you know, without having to take on the risk of actually living that life, you would be able to go out and be able to tell people about that life. And someone like me, all the you know, 30 years later would be fascinated to be sitting here having a conversation with you. Is there a time period when that sort of started to occur to you? Well, at uh Amazing that it is. It occurred to me as time as I was involved in the game. Mm. You know, it was like at times I wanted to retire, but for some reason the girls wouldn't let me retire. You know, I was always trying to find a way where I could make us profitable by quitting the game. And it just didn't happen. And, you know, after it happened, I considered a blessing that God had came into my life because, you know, at a time, you know, where it was such a conviction to where one of the girls I had was out working one day. And, you know, like I said, I had girls and I didn't allow to date blacks. Okay, that was the rule? Well, that was my rule. Because you you didn't want them to get them wrapped up with some cool-ass dudes that were going to take over their mind, right? Not only that. But, you know, it's more troubling than black. It's over-sexual with black. They want more for their money. Sometimes they take their money back. You know what I mean? They really? do a lot of things sometimes to the girl. So, in the end, I didn't want her having her boyfriend sneaking up on there getting some for free, you know? Okay. So, I minimized that. But anyway, the story goes, and this is a true story. She had been with me for something like probably... uh seven or eight years and uh she was up there working that evening and she the guy pulled up on her and asked her time to date her, and she refused to date him and he shot her five times he shot her twice in the head and the other three in the body and everything and this happened right before you decided to stop or well this was still doing you know the time that i was involved in the pimp game uh-huh. you know it's just one of the things that happened you know these are some of the war stories that really seriously take place in that life you know some of the girls really make sacrifice and risk their lives and things for to make that pimp you know what i mean success for to have what he want to you know so she was shot it was the evening she was rushed to the hospital i knew nothing about it till you know i was contacted 
through my sister that this had taken place. So it was a sister of mine that always go and bond the girls out, you know, and do the thing that I'd be asking her to do. So uh, me and her went to the hospital. And here she was, the girl laid up with tubes everywhere in her. I mean, barely could move because they had shot her twice in the head and the other three shots in the body and one in the thigh or something. And as soon as I stepped in, you know, her mother was there and her sister, and she looked up at me and she said, Daddy, I wish I can get up out this bed and go get you your money. Her mother looked at me in amazement and said, what have you done to my daughter? Right. I said, ma'am, nothing. That's just pure dedication. That's how dedicated the female was in that pimp gang during that era. I mean, I'd had one girl that would get shot in the leg, come home, change wigs. The bullet went all the way through nurse the wound, tie it up, and go right back to work. That kind of dedication. A lot of people would hear that and think, what, did you have them brainwashed or something? Because what could possibly be important enough to go and, like, you know, yeah, we all need money, but it's like if you get if you just got shot in the leg, then reason, realistically, it's probably a safe time for you to take a little time off, right? Well, that's the thing that I'm explaining to you about the dedication. These females be that dedication to their man that they're willing to risk their life. You know what I mean? It's that important to her that she see that she do everything possible to make that man number one in that field. Mm -hmm. And then when they dedicate it, if it means death, because one thing about it is you couldn't say a female brainwash because one thing about it is prostitutes are very intelligent because they have to go in cars and go into men's pocket, go up under the seat, go into the glove compartment, have sex with him and do all of that by the time they go around the block. Mm. You know, and I always say if a female wants to really leave you, Promise me, she will and she can. Because any time a female get in a car and can ride and go spend 10, 15, 20 minutes and come back, she wanted to come back. It wasn't by force. It was by her choice. She could have left. But isn't that kind of the whole game when you're in that business is that you have to sort of you have to create incentives to make these girls fall in line with what you want them to be doing to for them to do unrealistic things that might not be in their best interest like go fuck dudes for money right after getting shot well the thing about it is and you know this is truly in the pimp gang you know uh some people are so amazed by me saying this but most that involved in the gang or heard about it know it's the truth you know one thing about it is you have to create some fear in the female. Mm. It's not going to work unless you create some fear in her. Right. She must have some kind of fear of you. And when it comes time, and the thing about it is she's going to try to find out, do you really mean what you say? Mm. If you said, I'm going to kill you if you lead a stroll, if you do this. If you don't get me my money, I never had to fight my girls about getting money. They never had a problem about that. They wanted to do it more than I wanted them to do it. Right. You know, but if you but, have to, but, but, I wanted to finish it. But when it comes to that time that you have to check them, you told her you was going to kill her. Do you know? 
you got to whoop her to where she think you about to kill her, where she would say, Daddy, please don't kill me like you said you were going to do. It get to that real, to what she feel it, that she almost at the brink of death. And then you do, you know, that same female will get up, clean up, nurse them wounds, get dressed, and go out there and get you the biggest bankroll you ever seen. But it, I think the problem is, is that a lot of people see it as immoral to have somebody in your life that is working for you because they're scared that you're going to kill them. <laughs> like That's the part that I got to struggle with because even if you didn't realistically plan on killing them, it just seems like it would be hard for me to wake up in the morning and know that that's the kind of business that I'm running. Okay, let me explain that s statement you just made. And this is true to the game. If you as a pimp, believe me now, it's the truth. This is what some <laughs> people think is erotic. That if you don't put your hands on her, she don't think you love her. She going to do everything she can to upset you until you put your hands on her. Then she going to believe you love her. Mm. If you don't hit her, if you don't scold her, she going to feel like she being used. Then, see, a woman wants to feel needed and wanted. Mm. So if you just saying, go do that, and you don't care about nothing she do, you ain't checking up for it, she feel misused, mistreated, and not wanted. She going to do something, something. I don't care if you the mildest guy in the world. She know how to get up under your skin and do something to make you put hands on her. And when you do, then she going to say, Daddy, I love you. But is it the line of work that you really are only interested in working with people or with women who have that kind of mentality where they um, they almost want to be abused as a, as a sign that they're being loved? Like, is it primarily the women that you end up working with? Are they primarily people that have been abused and that they have that sort of miscalibrated in their brain where they feel like abuse is love? No, I wouldn't say that because just like in this profession, this profession calls for women and women are in all kind of profession, doctors, nurses, lawyers. And I say and testify that them of that nature have in some capacity have been a prostitute. It may be a low number. Mm. And and uh, based on what you say, yes, a lot of those have been in abusive family that into prostitution. But then they didn't come into the pimp life to be abused. They came into it because they wanted something that their father didn't give them, some love. Right, maybe. They want that, that you know strong I mean? male figure, or they, right? They, or they want that luxury life that they see, mm. that golden life they see. You know, they ain't coming in because of that, because if that was the first intention, then it wouldn't take place. That would that number would be wild, almost uh, zero percentage like that. You know, you're invited in because of the style, hmm. the flag, the glamour, the excitement. I told my girls I was taking them to Hollywood, which was the most exciting thing they probably could have heard at that time. And I did that. Hmm. To have a pimp to do what he say he going to do is the most exciting thing to a prostitute. Let me ask you this, because there's a whole scale from, you know, you could be turning $20 tricks to, you know, I, I know girls that are getting 2000 an hour to do high-end escorting. Uh, 
while you were in the game, did you mostly gravitate towards one end of the spectrum or the other? Well, see, the amazing thing about my gang, and I'm glad I was brushed with the gang, that I had the number <coughs> one thief in the country. And in any pimp gang, a pimp wants his prostitute to be a thief. And what I mean by that is, you know, flatbacks is considered those that just prostitute for money. No stealing, no nothing. And when I had girls, when you come to choose me, you would have to do at least 300 a night just starting off if you never did nothing at all but see it's so important to have a prostitute that know how to steer because see she can go in the pocket take the money out she can take the watches off his arm these kind of things that makes a pimp profitable when he able to have a prostitute that do these kind of things yeah you got some prostitutes that got pimps that's on drugs that just do hundred dollars no that ain't how the pimp gang go you got prostitutes and i had prostitutes that some night that might come in with ten thousand mm. but and mostly from it, robin no, not robbing, stealing. stealing. You know, yeah. tricks might have money up under their seat. Right. In the trunk. A real prostitute gonna search the whole car before she let him go if he look prosperous. They bring home guns, knives, drugs, all kind of things. Cause guys have different things. Police badges, all kind of things. It's like how when you go to a restaurant, they don't make most of their money off of the food. They make most of their money off the drinks. It's like you're not making most of your money off of the off of the <laughs> where, where what you're saying is you're not focused on the date because you, you that's your how mind, you get in the door but then you upsell them but you don't really upsell where them. You your, steal mind, their shit. your mind already is there yeah. to steer you using your sex just to get his attention uh -huh. you're not enjoying this at all this is a mean to like put him to sleep to get his mind off of what he's thinking about so that you can continue to search and look around jury see anything that's possible mm. that your man would want and bring it back home and give it to him but isn't that where it gets complicated where you got guys coming back to kill the girls shit like that well one thing about it is that had happened but the girls are smart enough to know to go home change wig change clothes mm. and go on another stroll see the thing about it is when a guy asked me where to stroll at I said anywhere you sit your girl at cause the thing about a pimp is he can open and close on any corner when he get ready mm. so if ain't nothing going on that corner go down to the next corner if it's too much heat on the corner here go over to the next part go to the north side go to the south side mm. they buying anywhere you put your girl if she qualified to know how to work them streets and flag them cars let me ask you this is the game all fucked up now because if you go to a major uh, metropolitan area it seems like they're very aware of where people are selling drugs where people are, are selling pussy and they're they're smarter now. They're on top of it. They got cameras. They got cops watching those areas. The game has changed a lot, right? Well, the thing about it is just like it have been from day one, you know what I mean? They more uh, alert to it, especially when it comes time for voting and elections, you know what I mean? Easy to pick on a pimp, easy to pick on a prostitute, easy to pick on a drug dealer, easy to pick on a robber, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? These things to boot, you know, your political thing, you know what I mean? Like that. But, you know, like I said, what we spoke about at one 
one time wasn't even noticed, but it become an issue because it become a political thing with all of this traffic, not so much the drug traffic, but human traffic. Mm. You know what I mean? And all of the different things that's going on about people like we know, like Art Kelly and then like the billionaire F thing, mm. all of these things bringing some harsh attention to, you know, a very sad situation that's been going on a long time. But, you know, like I said, a lot of things are coming to light. The gang is messed up in individuals, you know, different stroke for different folks. And then, like I said, a lot of females had run to the strip club. A lot of females are working internet websites and you know a lot of females are doing drugs it's a lot of different things happened that had deterred the serious pimping you know what i mean it's still going on and it's still going to continue to go on until somebody turn the lights out on this small front because men's going to continue to buy women it just had to be some guys strong enough to tell a woman to go yeah you know what i mean because some women need teaching and it's that need something in life they want to provide for their family want to provide for their kids and don't know how most women go out there and they give it away and come home with a sloppy coochie and no money and still need bread on the table and need their rent paid but the women that go out there and know how to you know what i mean open her legs i had women that were standing look 50 below zero weather and the knee deep of snow 50 below 50 below with a mini skirt on, with pantyhose, with a split in the middle, seven and eight hours a day selling wow. their body. Just That's how serious that is. It's not like that today. It's so many opportunities. I mean, like I tell the guys today, we got to tell it like it is, okay? Like I tell the guys today, man, they losing by the women. Women are catching more females than guys are today. Guys are not so concerned about females like they used to be. Some guys now won't transvect than they do women. A lot of women turning to be lesbian want women. And, you know, a lot of these things is against the gang so everybody confused so nothing really working out right in no kind of profession they don't need us like they used to well that's what i'm saying you know what i mean because there's so many opportunities to do a lot of things even like when a guy was doing pimping he had to check a female like we were talking about hit her put his hands on her you know but you can't even do that since the oj day is definite a no-no it's like you know a murder beef almost you know Mm. when it was called really like a mild domestic split y'all up a few hours and that's it or say y'all kids and make up now it's become a big thing mm. you put your hands on a female you know i know a lot of girls who basically are making you know high five figures some of them even six figures a month off of their private snapchats where basically they never have to even leave the house they don't have to go to the strip club they don't have to walk down the street they can be in the house they hook up with other girls they hook up with their boyfriend maybe they hook up with some other male porn star they know whatever they do it all on their phone nobody takes a cut besides you know paypal or some shit well yeah crazy well, well that's the thing that's going on now you know people are trying everything you know what i mean to make some money and a lot of new doors opening up for them to be able to do such a thing you know but all of these things is not like of the pimp days when it was such a sorority or secretive you know people know like these chicks think they get away with talking slick pay me or something like that <laughs> all of this is being documented if the lick get big enough the government will be knocking on their door 
you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So they ain't really doing nothing slick. You know I've been I mean? through that experience where I was going to buy some drugs, like I was buying some lean or something. I didn't have any cash on me. I'm like, shit, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna be right back. I'm gonna go to the ATM. The guy's like, wait, you you don't got Venmo? I'm like, oh yeah, I do have Venmo. It was like he he was he clearly sells way more drugs on Venmo through his phone than actual cash. Like he could be out selling drugs all day and come back with no cash in hand. Well, see, but that that's how it is. You know what I mean? Like they said, you become your biggest customer. Hmm. You know what I mean? When you're doing that sort of thing happening, there ain't nothing to show, you mm. know? Let me ask you this. Do you ever wake up in the morning and just want to put a hoodie on? I feel like your style of dress is like a very big part of the image that is Magic A Dumbo. hoodie? Yeah, or just, you know, just wear, you know, a, a T-shirt. Do you get dressed up every day? Oh, I'd be ready, man. I like to be suited and booted. Mm. Yeah, man. I just might have to see somebody outside and they say, let's go to the wedding. I don't want to say, let. I got to go <laughs> home and get changed. Let's go. You're ready to go. I like to stay ready so I don't have to get ready, mm. you know. And the thing about anything, like I did a thing on my social media, the Don Juan show is consistent. Mm. You have to be consistent. You know, a lot of people today are getting up you know it's so amazing to me to see so many homeless and they are not old people they're not sick people they're not lame or anything you know what i mean healthy strong young people homeless you know what i mean it's something wrong something going on somewhere here and you know it's a problem and it, it just seemed to be growing i mean one time we seen it with the elderly people now you see so many young people homeless and not only that suicidal hurting themselves, being bullied into killing themselves and these kind of things, these things that we must fight against because still we have to help children Mm. because I say I wouldn't want to be a child today. They taking all the abuse. I don't know where and why it have to be, but most kids are being murdered and killed like adults have been killed. Most kids are going to prisons and jails like most adults would do. Mm. I mean, kids are just taking a a knocking upside the head and there's nobody to be able to rescue them. It seemed to be a trend where it's okay for a 16-year-old to go do life in prison nobody crying or nothing about it it's becoming the norm we have reversed compassion with love and understanding to believing in sadness and faking and uh, no honesty and loyalty have become the trend and people are satisfied with it today and they don't understand just like the technology of social media it can hurt like it can help but folks that are weak and going through things it seems to weaken them more and more and more because people are going to social media looking for support in their situation and it's not there. Mm. They become friends with a computer and think it's an individual. Listen, people, that's not a hard there. People are not who they supposed to be. So don't y'all fall for that. Mm. Church. Church. Preach. Tabernacle. <laughs> um, yeah, like, what what is the day in the life of Magic Don Juan like? Like, what what do you concern yourself with these days? Oh, right now, you know, every day, you know, in the day, of the Bishop Don Magic Juan is an exciting day, man. Mm-hmm. You know, 
First, I wake up, you know, uh, thank God I wake up mostly around six o'clock or something, you know, like I'm trying to go to work or something, you know what I mean? One time in life, six o'clock, I never seen it before, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's always 10, 11, or 12, you know. You see six o'clock because you still be up. Yeah, some most time, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, out there with them girls, you know what I mean? Checking that trap, and you know what I mean? I told a story about this. I bought a van and had it fixed all up, stove inside it, you know, everything, sleeping quarters, all that. And I used to have a Rockweiler, and uh, we used to go on the store, and I would crack the window and tell the girl, drop the money in there. I wouldn't worry about people trying to break in and cut the Rockweiler. If you get mm. close to the van, it'd be like he eating up the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'd be in the back behind the curtain just chilling and about five or six like you said girls be through jump in the van we roll on home check that paper right you never thought about getting involved in the porn business nah you know um snoop did some uh a video for hustling things i could have appeared in it but i wasn't really on it then like that and you know if i did you know do some narrating you know what i mean i want to make a significant uh deal for him i don't just want to give him the down one without that <laughs> i had plenty of opportunity to do that you know i know some girls that are involved in that and also some of the guys and some of the people that run that business you know i was friends of you know, rest in peace, Dennis Hoff, that owned it, the Bunny Ranch. We uh -huh. was good friends. I've been over there a few times. Oh, you know, where, okay. yeah, where they have legalized sex at. Yeah, yeah, I would always hear about that. I would see documentary when I was a kid about that. No, but it just kind of makes sense to me because it's like you were involved in the illicit, illegal side of things for so long. And then at a certain point, it's kind of like, like I interviewed uh, this guy, um, Oh God! Why is it? Oh, name? like selling weed and then weed become legal, not get legal, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, you like, know? like saying, the porn, yeah. porn world yeah. is like weed now. Where it's like, yeah, you know, I know what you mean, but I know what you mean. Being involved in that entertainment part of uh, sexual activity, mm. you know, it seemed like it would be only right. right. But you know, just like you said, my life is a different journey. Mm. I didn't know what I was going to do. Most guys get stuck in the game. You don't know what you're going to do. How are you going to survive after that? I didn't know. Yeah. I thank God that he showed me another way because I didn't know what I was going to do. Before you get into what you did in 85 and you stopped pimping, were you really fucked up off the PCP? And how was that affecting your game as a human being? It was affecting my game because my girls, I was letting my girls, we wouldn't... Uh, I would say hardcore PCP. Okay. We would take it, uh, make it in the weed, and then take the weed and put it on weed. Oh, okay. You know, but you know, the girls got a list uh, addicted to it. They would go in the icebox, get it, use it, and put some water in there and all that, or uh, dip it, you know, with that Charmin stick. They was uh -huh. going too heavy. So it was affecting my game where. The cab driver told me, man, I can't take your girl to work no more, man. They act too crazy. They were jumping out the car at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> one, one of my girls, we went into a liquor store, and she went in the freezer and wouldn't come out. You know, wow. these kind of things. I mean, it, and uh, one of my best friends that was a serious pimp, what he did is he parked his limousine and blocked the car wash, went home, Told his sister, Don Juan know where my coat at and everything. Locked the bar. True story now. 
shot his baby mama with a forty-five. Shot his baby, fed the baby some Fruit Loop cereal, and shot the baby with a three fifty-seven Magnum. Blew the baby head off, and then he shot himself in the head. Wait, he did this just because he was so fucked up off the sherm? Off of the PCP. What? You know, because see, PCP give you a losing nation that you'll do yeah. what you do, but you'll still be there tomorrow. Like you do what you do that you ain't did it. It oh, gives you shit. that kind of losing nation, you know. And so... Um, and this was I, just some guy you knew? No, we have been knowing each other for over 15 years. We oh, were pimping, shit. buddy. He's the one took me on the stroll the first time I went. Wow. You know, so it was amazing. And they called me, and I got there just as the police were bringing him out. And I went up. I'd seen his shoe. They had him cover up. But I went up in the house, and it was like one of them Freddy Krueger movies. Oh, Blood fuck. was everywhere. But the thing about it is the bullet knocked out the girl. She didn't die. What? The, the yeah. His girlfriend or she wife? She didn't die. She didn't die. So she survived the she thing? She survived it. Oh, my God. And uh, as a matter of fact, she was pregnant. And the daughter just hit me on social media said, if you have any pictures of my daddy or something, let me see him. I was pregnant with my mother at the time she got shot. I didn't even know that. Holy shit. That must be weird to to know that your father like killed your sister and, and did all this terrible stuff. But it wasn't really him. It was just the drugs had him in this state of mind yeah, for a period of yeah, time. He might have been yeah, a great guy the rest yeah. of his, of his well, life. It, it did that to a lot. I mean, at that era, and like I said, that's part of that affected my gang. And me, myself, I didn't do it like that. Uh -huh. You know, I was very modest at it, but it was people around me that was doing it that you would fear that if I'd have walked there at that time, he might would have killed me. Mm. You know what I mean? But he had his mind on set up for, I guess, what he wanted to do. But he didn't, isn't that, like I said, PCP had you thinking you didn't do what you did, but he gone. Right. You know, the baby gone and the mama living with that horror and wow, it's amazing. That is terrible. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, okay, so what what did you start to do to earn a living once you turned away from the pimp game? And how did you sort of get out of that lifestyle? Because I'm sure it, it, it kept following you and I'm sure that like the types of people that you had been around were still gravitating towards you, right? No question about it is, you know, I was considered number one and I was still considered the life of the party. Mm. You know what I mean? Not only that, the prostitutes still wanted to stay, but I had made the transition. But it's an amazing thing. Some tried to be the Ursha, you know, and then it was an amazing thing for my family because we was a fussing, cussing kind of family. When I made the conversion, it really brought our family together. Mm. It was really what my mother had been praying for, you know, and it was an amazing turnaround because my family become uh, the choir urchers in the church and my mother become the mother in the church we had a great ministry and you know the girls couldn't keep up because it, you know god hadn't called they tried but you know it wasn't that dedication to that they wanted to curse god because i had been their whole life for 15 20 years or something you know you would and be with one girl for that long she would be with me i wouldn't be one girl yeah i, I would had i had as many as seven at one time i'm thinking in my head that you're gonna have a girl for six months and then she's gonna move on on average no there were a lot of long-term commitments man that just that ain't even uh you know the probation period i mean you don't really give a prostitute real rope and life 
at there after three years. Uh-huh. After she show you three years of real dedication, then you might buy a car, you know, they might get her own apartment and, you know, start giving her a little, you know, room, you know, to move around and to do a thing because she have showed her trustworthy, hmm. you know. Did you become a one-woman type of guy once you left the game? I never been a one woman type of guy. I always been considered a ladies man. I I've been having more than one woman since I was ten years old. Mm. You know what I mean? It started then. You know, at five years old, I got my first piece of sex because the babysitter did it. You know what I mean? Told me don't tell nobody. You know. Right. So at ten years old, I had two girls in the hallway kissing them both to see which one I really wanted to be my best girl. <laughs> my big sister caught us in the hall, slapped me upside the head, told me to get in the house, and told other girl get home. You know, but right. that was the beginning of something that had always been a part of me. I've been married once, you know, married, dedicated to my wife, but I always, you know what I mean, just been a ladies' man. Mm. You know what I mean? Women's always been there for me, you know, from my mother all the way up to the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do you keep the energy level so high? Because I'm going to be honest, my dad is the same age as you, and he Do really- you know how old I am? Yeah, you're 69, right? No, see, you got me a little. I'm 67. I'll be 68 in uh, November. Okay, my pops is 69. just turned 69. And when I look at him, I'm like, man, this guy is not moving at the same pace as as Magic Don Juan. Well, the thing about it is, you know, I strongly keep God in my life, you know what I mean? And I always been, like I said, rest, finesse, and dress, you know what I mean? I try not to be under too much strain, you know Mm. what I mean? I try to take everything calm, cool, and collective. And, you know, my journey is to uh, give out what I know, you know what I mean? Like, I feel I'm blessed to be a blessing. And that's my daily journey is to give somebody else knowledge. That's why I do my social media every day because people say, man, I needed that. Thank you, that. Because they know they're getting it from a real one. More than any of them memes, you got to always read my caption, you know, because I be laying it down from the heart. Right. Very, you know, very true. And so, you know, and I see that it's very effective. So I continue to do it on social media. So I'm social not doing media. it for no likes or anything, hits or anything like that. Because one thing about it is I don't follow but two people, and that's my son, Magic Juan, and uh, Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah. So it ain't about people. It's about me, you know, giving out the message. And I tell people, don't worry about the one, you know what I mean, the messenger. Enjoy the message. Don't worry about me delivering. Enjoy what I deliver, you know? And I give out some powerful information. Mm. And like if Snoop believed that I saved his life, that I made a difference in his life, you know? And others I have done that in their lives. I've been, uh, you know, I've touched many lives in the entertainment business, uh, just in the street, just people in general. Wait, why, it, why does Snoop say that you saved his life? Because I changed this thinking. When you change your thinking, you can change your life. Really? Yeah. You know, and, you know, he said he came from the gangster to the players. That was a change of thought, you know. And see, one thing about it is, and then other than being a gangster and being a player, you have more time to get a more understanding and thought about situation, that thing that you thought affected you, <laughs> that now you can really walk over because you understand them a little more. I instilled that kind of thing in there. <coughs> you know what I mean? The seriousness part of being grown, of being a man. 
You know what I mean? What a family. You know what I mean? That's interesting because we, when we think about Snoop, we forget that if you met him in 99, his... No, I'd say 96. 96. Okay. Mm. So that's even a bit earlier. But I mean, Snoop was more in that sort of gangster type of... That, that's sort of more how we thought about him. And then there was a transition that sort of happened like late 90s where he kind of changed up his image or his style, maybe even who he was kicking it around and stuff. Did you identify that? Yeah, well, what it was is, you know what I mean, to be a little more understanding about the situation, you know. Uh, you know, the culture of California, you know what I mean, it was a lot of, you know, the Crips and the Bloods and the gangbanging sort of situation. So, you know, most of the guys here, you know, they just try to stay strong to that situation. And Snoop was just one of them individuals that was going to continue to stand tall, you know what I mean? Uh, he loved the culture, and he was a strong part of the culture, you know what I mean? But then once you understand it, that, you know, you can help the culture, and that's what Snoop got the understanding from me, that he could help the culture, mm. you know, with his voice. To be able to say we can love one another, we can fellowship one another, to where, you know, as me being there, Snoop was bringing, like, uh, inviting, like, you know, bloods to his house. We all fellowshipping and talking because see, you have to understand them was titles. Them wasn't them as men. Them were just titles. And once they got to understand that they know that it was more to it, that they could do business together, that they can work out the thing together. You know what I mean? Just like you see the big explosion of, of Nipsey, mm. you know, hustle. You know what I mean? How that explosion has brought so many different individuals together, even, you know what I mean? Giving Snoop the understanding to pour out more love into the community because, you know, that's what it need. It need that understanding. It need that love from its own, mm. you know, to be able to reach out to these individuals to make that different. You know, and Snoop seen that in me. When I got with Snoop Dogg, he was running with like a hundred people and then I told him, I said, you can't do it, champ. It's draining. It's very draining. Mm. And, you know, especially if it's 100 people and they wasn't giving to you, I mean, you know, you're creating for anything but more like taken away and, you know, it drained you. And, you know, one day we wind up on Hollywood Boulevard, me and him together, and he just got out and started walking by himself, no security. I said, wow, isn't this amazing, Snoop? It's been a journey for him, and I'm just glad to be a part of his journey, man, from something like over 20 years, you know? Mm. I mean, watching him, you know what I mean, become a granddad, you know what I mean? And watching his kids grow up, you know, being a part of, you know, his journey with him. I toured with him all over the country, you know? Mm. You know, every day we was like together, you know, I gave him a lot of, a lot of knowledge. A lot of people probably thought that I would be with Snoop, I know he a married man would be saying something like, don't go home. But my influence was to go home, Snoop. Mm. Go be with your wife. Go there. Because, you know, one thing I realized and I learned that, you know what I mean, once you lose what you got at home, everything in the street don't seem to be important. It don't mm. seem to be exciting. People change. They switch up on you then. Yeah. It's nothing for them to rob you of your happiness or anything. You didn't lost all that. So they start to disappear. And it happened to a lot of us. But I was glad I was able to be part of the influence to tell Snoop to stay strong in it. Right. That's, That's your really family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does. When people would think, oh, Don Juan's the pimp player, I know he'd tell a Snoop, do with every girl. Nah. 
Uh-uh. That so, ain't mind flowing. So what do you think when you look at a, a young guy who, you know, maybe he's blowing up as a rapper? Like, look at Drake. Now, I don't know if you know Drake or not, but he's clearly for like 10 years as this mega celebrity. He's been with a million different girls. Doesn't seem like he's ever really had something that serious. But we've always looked at that situation and been like, Drake, you should be with Ariana. You should do the Jay-Z thing and just find your Beyonce. Do you think that like do you think that someone is kind of unhappy inherently when they're just running around fucking every girl they meet? Well, one thing about it is I know Drake personally. Uh, I was invited to his birthday, you know what I mean? As a matter of fact, TMZ couldn't get any pictures, and they went to my post to get pictures because, uh, what is his name? Uh, they didn't take your phone away? No, Leonardo DiCaprio wouldn't take pictures with nobody, but he did with me and spoke <laughs> with me. And they and they couldn't take pictures, and so they went to my post to get a picture, but it was Drake's birthday party. His father was there, Dennis Graham, which I gave uh, the Don Juan Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2018 Player I bet ball. you and him got along good. Yeah. yeah you yeah, seem like kindred Dennis, spirits. Yeah, me and Dennis you know good mm. friend but the thing about it is it you know in the beginning is you know I love the new rapper is that you know what I mean but it, it's a good thing Dre enjoying himself you know it, it's exciting in the early time just like Snoop could tell you uh Ice T could tell you early on even like I could tell you in the pimp gang it was exciting you know what I mean you know right now Drake them they still excited they still young men they still feeling they oats they cheerio they doing their thing it's a beautiful thing and they creating good music and, and they being paid but the things I hate about some of the rappers you know what I mean that is think that you can take it there should be a lesson learned with Suge Knight that you can't take this kind of mentality into business to the rap game these people giving you uh, millions of dollars and here you is you in the neighborhood somebody killing somebody buying drugs and you ruining your career you're doing 50 years in prison and these kind of things and it's affecting your family and your friends it is not just all about you I know you grown I know you getting your own money you can do your own thing nobody can't tell you what to do but you hurting yourself and some of y'all got to quit it man enjoy your career be able to make your family happy make yourself happy so many of y'all are unhappy out there you're unhappy in your home with your girls with your job and you're doing different things to affect your life you gotta quit it because you're hurting your career once you become into this business you become an artist it's a business it's no more about gang banging it's no more about that street life it's about that pencil and paper and that's what you see you pay no attention and that's why most of y'all get hurt by that pencil and paper nobody had to hit you you get your worst lick from pencil and paper so pay attention now so you think drake is still in the streets too much no, I don't think he's in the street too much. I think he's having a great time. I think he earned it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's been established that he is one of the top artists of this generation. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he should feel his zero. He should enjoy himself. I, you know, I love Chris Brown. You know, enjoy yourself, man. You know, make this money. But the thing about it is to help somebody, mm. please. Help somebody. I know y'all doing things, you know what I mean? But it's so many people that you know that you can help. They might not even deserve it, but they in your community from where you come up. Most of y'all was poor. Y'all know what it is. Y'all act like y'all never been broke before. Mm. 
y'all don't know to go in the neighborhood and reach out. I don't care, JG, man, Diddy, you know, Rick Ross, you know what I mean? We got the help, man, in the community. Yeah, you can donate to charity. I know all of them kind of things, but I promise you it don't reach down on Jackson Street in Gary, Indiana. You got to go somewhere, you know what I mean, and give out, you know what I mean? Do it yourself. Pick a neighborhood you come from and buy it and Somebody on that block, everybody grocery, y'all can stand it, pay everybody bill. Give them a little sense of relief. If you can do this, mm. do that. You know what I mean? You got know you can't help everybody and it ain't meant for you to help everybody. But you've been blessed so you can be a blessing. And most people have more money than they need. They dying and leaving money, you know, to trustees and charities and different things. So while you're here, you ain't got to go all the way across seas and over there to help you can help right in these community people right there in chicago madison need help right here in los angeles on crenshaw need help you know we can help y'all mm. so think about that but don't forget next sunday now september the first the players picnic is going down what's that like because i was going to ask what kind of uh entrepreneurial ventures you're currently involved in before we uh have to wrap this interview well um I got a second print to my life story book out with some new pictures in there. Oh, cool. Um, also, I've been, you know, working and talking to different individuals about a documentary mm. on my life story. Um, spoke to Bill Duke about bringing it to the silver screen and what we need to do to get that done. We have the footage, you know, we're looking for investors that, you know, um, we would like for it to go to the big screen, not no Netflix or nothing like that. I'm surprised that they took Dolomite to Netflix. I thought it should have been on the big screen. Yes, Eddie Murphy, I thought that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, it came on Netflix, you know, so it is. But i like for my life story to be uh, on the big screen. I surely, I surely believe I got a story to tell. They ain't heard half of it, you know what I mean? Been there, done that. But my greatest thing is to be able to help somebody. That's what I want to be known for, and that's what I continue to do. I know a lot of people just, you know what I mean, on my pimping and on my plan and on my this and that. Man, I'm a child of God, and you know what I mean? Let me say this before we wrap up. Can I tell them my little poem? Tell them the poem, yeah, yeah. All definitely. right, tell all y'all. Before we even get into that, okay. I, I want to ask what the player's ball is like. Oh, man. Because I'm thinking ball, the about The player ball 2019 this year is November the 30th. They'll be in Hollywood at Pig and Wepsil. Right after my uh, birthday. Yeah. 24th is my birthday, so wow, that's perfect. We said to Terrace. Throw me on the flyer. I'll come through. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that happens. You hear it, Hollywood? Put him on the fly. Get my info, Hollywood. Yeah, you know what I mean? We're going to do it together this year. Celebrate it. I bring the cake. You probably you know? ain't got any white guys on the bill, right? Man, it, you just seen, I tell you, the Russian guy, um, hey, one player of the year. Yep. Man, we got plenty of white guys. When you look at the DVD, you'll see Mr. White folks in there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's his name? Yeah, Mr. White folk. Yeah. Wow, look at him. There's some white pimps, man. You know, oh, okay. I don't even know if you know uh, the radio personality, uh, Man Cow. He been to the Players Ball. He He's won a pimp? player of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, he won player of the year. Wow. So if I'm going to come through, I got to come through official. I might have to get a, fr a fur coat. I got to have my girl looking all sexy. And all of that. Okay. All of that, man. And, I you got know, ideas now. And you know, you'd be surprised. Another girl might choose you. Shit. <laughs> Tell my girl, you're out of here. We just bought a house together, but 
See you later. No, we y'all can one. be together. That very good point. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so are you the threesome champ? What you mean? You've done a lot of threesomes in your day. Is that something that you Ooh, uh, typically go for? man. I did one plus sepsum. Mm. Threesome, man. Wow. Come on, man. Do you know how much fun it would to come on, man, and got six, seven girls in the bed with you? You can do anything you want to. Fantasy, watch them, make them do what you want to do, the whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? There you go. Fun to enjoy. Seven. That was amazing. And they didn't care about what they wanted to do, have it your way. Like Burger King. Man. There we go. King. King. <laughs> Chicken land. You hear me? <laughs> Let's hear your poem. All right, here we go. All right, tell all y'all out there, you know, we're all going through something. Rich, poor, lazy, crazy, dumb. I don't know what to do. Everybody needs something. I don't try to put Jesus or God on anybody. It's your decision to accept it or reject it. But here go the poem from the Archbishop Don Madrewire. What's from the heart reaches the heart. Here we go. Whatever problem, trouble, or sorrow, if you trust in the Lord, there'll be a brighter tomorrow. For there's nothing too much for the great God to do. And all that he acts is faith that's unshaken by tribulation and year. Contents and knowledge that God knows best. And trouble and sorrow, they are only a test. But without God testing of our soul, it never could reach its ultimate goal. So keep on knowing and believing that all that God has promised you would be yours to receive if you trust him completely and always believe. And so it is. Don't forget to touch bases now. The Don Wine Show chats on social media. Beautiful. Well said. Hey, it was great to meet you, man. I've been a fan for a long time. Hey, it's always a treat when players meet. <laughs> well said. Hey, Don, Magic Wand, No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe. No Jumper Cushion stores now. Church. Preach.